coming up on Inside the NRL. We'll have the latest on the Blues team list as soon as it drops. Plus, we're standing by at Bondi to hear from coach Brad Fittler. We head north of the border to find out just how big Kevin Walters thinks this origin decider will be. But I can feel it, you know, when I walk around, there's creeps. And Brisbane lose their best Bronco. So what to next for Anthony Seabold? Well, any minute now, the New South Wales Blues will announce their Game 3 side for the State of Origin decider next Wednesday night when they take on the Queensland Maroons. The two most important men are back on the panel. <laughs> Jamie Sauer and Michael Chambers. Did you like that? Yeah, thank you. That's that okay. nice. No worries. There's only two of you, so it couldn't be any other way. <laughs> now, obviously, Blues, they won the game by 30-plus points. You don't expect many changes in this 17, right? Well, I did. I expected one, to be honest. I expected David Clement to be there, but doesn't look like he will be. Uh, they're going to stick with the same 17 by the sounds of it. That'll again get announced officially shortly, but that's the one I thought would, you know, a given there, David Clement straight back into the team. Yeah, I agree. I thought that Clement may have come back in the team for Saifidi, knowing that he did a, a good job, but probably just saying, you know, we reward Clemmer for his games you know, in game one and also that coming back from injury and, and running for 200 metres in a big win for Newcastle. But in saying that, I can't blame Freddie for picking the same 17. They went over there to Perth with the series on the line and didn't concede a try and scored 38 points when their halfback went off. So We've got the team. reward of 17. We've got the team. Let's have a look at the starting 17 for the New South Wales Blues. As they line up, James Tedesco, Blake Ferguson, Tom Dubojevic, Jack White and Josh Adokar, the outside backs in the halves. James Maloney, Nathan Cleary. So he's obviously been given every chance to be fit to play for game three. As you mentioned, Daniel Saifidi keeps his spot starting prop. Damian Cook, Paul Vaughan, Boyd Cordner, Tyson Frizzell and Jake Dvojevic start out that 13 and on the bench, uh, Dale Finucane, Tarek Sims being named despite that charge, Cameron Murray and Wade Graham, Clint Gutherson, the 18th man. Happy? Well, the question marks there is if Tarek Sims doesn't beat that charge, I think Clemmer will come into the side, Chemis, and then if Nathan Cleary has any kind of hiccup with his rehab uh, ahead of this deciding game, then... What do they do? Do they bring Clint Gutherson in onto the bench or do they um, shuffle things around and bring in another forward? We'll have to wait and see. I, I just, I'm astounded with the David Clemmer issue. Like, it just the fact that he, he is the best prop in the game, the best prop in the country and was probably the best forward on the field in game one. I know you've got a winning team and I understand loyalty, but I think that loyalty that Freddie has shown has been misplaced because David Clemmer has been there for five straight years. Played, I think he's played 13 straight origins. He played 50 minutes with a broken wrist. And then he goes and has an option to have surgery, but he says, no thanks, I'm going to play in the origin in game three. So he does everything possible to get back. And they say, sorry, mate, we're quite happy with the team we've got. I, look, I think that's misplaced loyalty from Freddie. He deserves to be there. Daniel Saifidi, not that he did anything wrong. He played well in game three. But David Clemmer is the best forward in the game. And how he's not in that team... I can't understand that selection. So, so far, Brad Fittler's said that if Tarek uh, doesn't get off the charge, David Clemmer will come back into the side. But, Michael, how hard would that be for David to come back in the side after being told you're left out? Oh, and look, if he gets told to come back in, he's going to do a job for New South Wales. But it's not the point. I think it's a little bit of a slap in the face, to be honest with you. I, he, Daniel Saifidi was brought in from left field to do a job that David Clemmer wasn't able to do. He's back now. He's going to come back play with injections. He ran for 200 metres against the Broncos on the weekend. He deserves to be in this team. He was, I, I just think Freddie's got it wrong here. It's not like the Latrell Mitchell case either. 
there were questions asked of Latrell Mitchell from the get-go last time in terms of the way he applied himself. You can't say the, the same for David Clem. Went 50 straight minutes in game one and was their best forward. So to tell me he's not deserving of a place in that team, I, I, look, I think it's ridiculous. Have you two swapped positions? That's a very fired-up Michael Chamis. Yeah, and it, look, he's, <laughs> he's got some good points there. But yeah. we need to remember the criticisms ahead of game two for New South Wales were, oh, Freddie, he's made changes and this and that. His job's on the line. This isn't, this isn't club land. This isn't a semi-final and you've left him out after a long layoff. This is the series is on the line. You need to get a, the job done. They had to go to Perth with this 17 and the confidence that they brought back from Perth winning so easily over there, Freddie's just going to ride that to a series victory if they all play to their best game. Now, it, it, it is bad luck for David Clemmer and I, I would have had him there, but... You can't knock the 17 players that went over to Perth and did that job so convincingly and not by rewarding them. Yeah. Are, they, are they a better team without David Clemmer? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you, you yeah. all, everyone sat back and had their pot shots at Freddie ahead of game two, right? He, went, he put his job on the line, went over there, made so many changes. Everyone bagged him. Oh, Jack Whiten's not a centre. You know, Wade Graham, he's only played this amount of minutes. They won by 32 points. They didn't concede a try. It was a dubious try. He's rewarded those 17 guys that played with the series on the line. Now, yes, I would have had Latrell Mitchell in for game two. I would have David Clemmer in for game three. But now he hasn't made the, the team and we're still waiting. I mean, if Tarek Sims is suspended, he will get in. We just need to support him now. Get over. I'm not going to listen to all the people that bagged him ahead of game two, sit here and judge Freddie ahead of game three, knowing that they went over to Perth with the series on the line and won so easily. Uh, look... I bagged Freddie for the Latrell thing, and I, and I changed my mind after the week. And this isn't about... Obviously, for, as you said, he needs to win the series. But New South Wales, regardless of whether... They're going to win. They're expected to win, right? If they don't win, that's a, that's a massive blunder because the two series that he has been in charge, New South Wales were expected to win both series. They are now without Caelan Ponga, Queensland. You're telling me New South Wales aren't heavy favourites. So I don't think it matters if, say, if no, they I'm win not, or lose. I'm the selection of Clemmer... I'm not saying that they're not heavy favourites at all. So the selection of, listen to me, the selection of David Clemmer shouldn't hinge on whether, it's about, we talk about Queensland and their loyalty, right? They're a better team with David Clemmer in the site and also the fact that I think Freddie owes it to some players, the guys who have been there, not just for him, but the last five years and done a great job and doesn't pick them because of a loyalty to someone for 35, 40, 45 minutes they've played. They won by 32 points. James Mullaney and Tom Treboy was on the, the reason line. they won by 30 points. Okay, well, maybe he's seen the cohesive, cohesiveness from guys like Saifidi that came in there. He was outstanding. No one wanted him to play, and he came in and did the job. So you reward those guys. I just think if it was a club game and they won by 40 and Clemmer was coming back from an injury, you'd probably want to see him again before he runs out in a club game. We'll get to that. And, of course, we will hear from Brad Fittler very shortly. He's talking um, in Bondi. We'll get to that. But the other talking point is Nathan Cleary. He's struggling with the ankle injury. He didn't finish game two. Is it the right call to give him every chance or is it a bit of a distraction to have him in that side? No, he's the ultimate professional. I think it's the right call. You give him a chance to get himself. And I think, look, with Brandy being involved at Penrith, the, the conversations would have been deep early on, knowing that once he got back from Perth, the swelling was going to be up they would have had a, a heads-up idea whether he was going to be right for origin pretty much straight away with Brandy being out there. So, uh, for me, I think he'll be right to go. Yeah, I think the right call's been made, given that opportunity, as long as they don't leave it too long with Nathan Cleary. It sounds as though he's going to play. The way he's coming along, Penrith, have, they're quite, actually quite surprised at how well he's come along. So, he'll be there. Wade Graham's in there just in case, but you know, you'd expect Nathan Cleary to take his place. And the good news is that it 
was first thought it was a syndesmosis injury. That's been cleared. It's a lateral ankle strain, so a sprain. So uh, fingers crossed there for New South Wales Blues fans. The other thing we do need to talk about is Tarek Sims and his charge. Uh, he did get charged with a grade two dangerous contact on Michael Morgan in their game against the Cowboys. Is this the right call and do you think he'll get off the charge? Look, I don't, I don't think there was, I don't think it was too late. Well, I don't think it was very late, put it that way. But the NRL last week, and we were there, we, the NRL announced a crackdown on late shots and crusher tackles. And they said, precedence is now gone. We are starting fresh, and we have asked for people, we've asked the match review committee to look at this far harsher than they did in previous years. So the, the fact that they've just a week or a few days after changing the policy, I think we, I think we could find here that he, he may miss this Origin game because of this shot. If you asked me that two weeks ago, I would have said he'd be fine. But... To go there now and beat it on a new rule uh, with far more emphasis placed on these late shots because they want to stamp him out of the game. And we've been saying that for a while now. We need to get these out of the game. Knowing all that, I think he's in a bit of strife. It's been unfair on Tarek Sims that you changed the rule halfway through the year, knowing that that shot probably would have been just a penalty and play on you know, a couple of weeks ago. Now he's going straight to the judiciary to fight it. Um, when I first looked at it, I thought that was not a good look because Morgan stayed down. But... This camera angle here probably doesn't give us the best look. It's the other one where he comes in. You can see when they slot down, it get, his left shoulder just goes straight at his head, and it's not a good look. So um, this one right here, you see there, he just accelerates at the end. So for me, uh, I think he may find himself in a little bit of trouble as well. Okay. It is, it's the shoulder that's the issue, isn't it? And, and they might argue there's no wrapping motion there. Because uh, um, from memory, Morgan didn't return. He was you know, looked quite heavily concussed and, and didn't take any part in that game, so that may you know, go against Tarek Simpson when he heads to the judiciary tomorrow night. Yeah, and it is always different, especially when you do replay it and watch it in slow motion, but both coaches were pretty fired up after the game. I thought it was late and high. Not very well. It didn't come back on, so. Mm. You know, they brought it up at the, in the NRL about you know, protecting ball players after they play. But, you know, they see it a different way there tonight. He blows up about a fair bit, eh? He had go at Freddie last week too, didn't he? Yeah. Got a lot to say. I'm comfortable, sorry, with the tackle. Absolutely. He wrapped his arms around him. You know, how can you stop in that momentum? No, it was looked at. There was a scrum pack. Move on. Zip his mouth. Jamie, can you pass it? <laughs> <laughs> How good's that? Look, I think it was unfair to ask Paul Green that question. He's lost his main playmaker for the game. They're in a, a fight to try and make the eight. But Paul McGregor saying he wrapped his arms around him, I think once he had a look at it again, he might have wanted to just hold back on that. <laughs> it was good. It was entertaining. It was, it was one of the few press conferences that I've watched. I like it. I do like it. All right, let's get to talk about the Queensland Maroons. Earlier today, Kevy Walters announced his starting 17. For more, let's go north. And we are joined by NRL.com reporter Zach Bailey. Thanks for having me in first grade once again, Katie. <laughs> You're slotting in so far, so good. Zach, this morning you spoke to Kevy Walters. He put in a bit of an emotional front. We've seen this through the whole series, but he was quite cold as well. Tell us a bit about it. 
Yeah, Kevin Walters was at his emotional best. I don't think I've ever seen him as, an, as emotional as he was uh, this morning. If you rewind to uh, the lead-up to Game 1, of course, he declared war against New South Wales. It worked in the series opener. They upset the Blues up here in Brisbane at Suncorp Stadium. He was confident and defiant ahead of Game 2. They got spanked uh, by 36 points, uh, 32 points there, rather. And today, as I mentioned, he was so emotional. At times, I thought I might have to reach for the tissues and, and give him one and here's the best of Kevy Walters this morning. The exciting thing is for all Queenslanders that we're part of a, a decider and it's it's going to be the biggest game in Origins history and I'm so thrilled and so excited to be part of it. It's, it's really amazing. I, I genuinely believe that th this team ha has the support of Queensland uh, right behind them for game three. I know it. I can feel it you know when I walk around the streets of Queensland. They want, us, they want this team to do well and they will do well. I know where this team is at and I know the performance that's, that's in them. It's there and it's my job as a coach to bring it out and I will bring it out. It'll be interesting to see what those results are next Wednesday night. It's bizarre to see those scenes. But another talking point, Kalen Ponga. He's out with that calf strain. Kevy Walters did confirm he won't be coming into camp. Zach, we'll get to you in just a second, but let's listen to what Kevy said on that. No, there's no chance of that happening. The Newcastle medical staff and coaching staff have um, ruled him out through injury. Uh, they feel he's got to go on a uh, rehab program for the next two or three weeks, and we respect that. We're certainly totally respectful of Kalen and his uh, welfare as well. Uh, that's a decision that, that they made, and we respect their decision totally. We, our medical staff have spoken to their medical staff, and we're comfortable with uh, the decision that they've made. Yeah, we know Kalen adds that X factor and him and Munster combined so well in game one on that left edge. But, Zach, who are they looking at to replace um, with the fullback position? Yeah, Katie, they've got plenty of options. Uh, Kevin Walters revealed today that he knows, but he doesn't want to make it public uh, just yet. He wanted to get the team into their team hotel in the camp and address the team, let them know who will be playing uh, number one or in the number one jersey. Uh, interestingly, though, uh, they train tomorrow. Uh, hopefully we get some indication as to who will be uh, playing fullback, but I'm not holding my breath. I don't think they'll do anything in terms of team formation. As for the candidates, uh, Cam Munster, the Munster Mash, one of Sowie's favourite players, if not his favourite player in the NRL. He could shift from 5'8 to fullback. Michael Morgan, of course, has spent plenty of time in the number one jersey. Moses Zumbai is also a candidate off the bench and the debutant, Corey Norman. Uh, Kevy gave him a massive rap saying he's been waiting uh, for this chance for about 10 years. Uh, we're not sure where he'll play yet, but they're the options. And as I said, hopefully we get some indication tomorrow. It's a, I suppose it's a matter of time uh, until we find out. Hopefully uh, we find out sooner rather than later. Well, please keep your eyes peeled, Zach. You are on the job. But as for you guys, well, who do you think? I mean, Michael, who's your pick to play one? Well, I think they'll move Cameron Munster to fullback. He's long held the desire to play a lot of fullback. I think that means you bring Corey Norman into six. I think they want to keep that defensive structure. As, as much as they were exposed in game two, I think they want to keep Michael Morgan in the centres, keep that edge the way it has been, bring Norman into the team at, at six and, and leave Moses on the bench. Minimal disruptions there. It's just two positions rather than three. I think that's the way they'll head. Could be wrong, but I think that's probably their best option, Jamie. Yeah, I disagree. I think that Corey Norman will come in and play in that number one jersey. I think it's a straight swap. You leave the best 5'8 in the world 
in Cam Munster at on that left edge and, and gave him a chance to bounce back from game two. So I think Norman comes in, their defensive structures stay the same and uh, you allow Corey Norman to be able to inject himself. And he has played fullback you know, when he started at the Brisbane Broncos. He's played a couple of times for Parramatta and at the Dragons. That's a huge call. The guy's played a handful of games mm. at fullback in the last five or six years and to throw him in well, he's not, position in origin. He's not being picked to, to sit on the bench. And no, he hasn't he's not. been picked to, to come in and be the saviour. He's come in to do a job. And if he's been waiting 10 years, as Kevy said, or however long, then you should have no doubt to throw him in that number one jersey. It's one swap. You don't want to move three or four players around and have them try and do a different role. What if the game's getting away from Queensland? How do they get Cameron Munster into the game? How does Corey Norman, on debut, try and get Cam Munster the ball? Well, they were exposed under the high ball with Caelan Ponga, a regular fullback there. New South Wales, with Tom Draboyev, the height of Blake Ferguson. Corey Norman is not someone you'd consider to be safe under the high ball and wouldn't do a lot of practice. So, to me, that's a huge gamble, but time will tell. Series on the line. They need to win. Well, I'm sure Zach will have an update for us. Zach, also, Dylan Napa, Jared Wallace, both left out of the Game 3 side. What was Kevy's reasoning behind this? Firstly, Katie, pass me the popcorn. I could listen to Sowie and Chamas go at each other all day. But uh, as for those two players, of course, basically they've been uh, dropped because of their poor showing in Game 2. Kevy said he wanted to leave it behind them, but he did say simply they didn't aim up in the middle. They weren't good enough. The Blues dominated that middle third. Luckily for the Maroons, Joe Offerhengawi has overcome that bad cut he suffered in Game 1, so he will return. And Christian Welsh, he'll make his long-awaited origin debut. Kevy said quite simply, it's been two hard to ignore his form. He wanted to pick him ahead of game one, but he picked up an injury. He's happy that wasn't an ACL, which was initially feared. So uh, the big question now, a bit like the fullback, Kevy knows who will play up front alongside Josh Papali and Ben Hunt, but he didn't want to tell the media. So I suppose that's another question that we'll hopefully have an answer to later this week. Gents, who's your pick to start with Papali up front? I would start off Angawe, but I think they might start Welsh. I think this bench for Queensland poses a lot more threat to New South Wales. That bench in Game 2, Glasby and Wallace, too much in similar styles in how they play. Not a lot of foot speed in and around the ruck, and they got exposed. So, uh, unfortunately, you know, Napa and Wallace get dropped, but I think it'll be off Angawe. Yeah, I think impact off the bench what they need. They sort of fell apart a little bit after that first 20 in Game 2, so no doubt Kevin will want to yeah, address that for Game 2 and make sure he's got some oomph off the bench. Yeah, all right. Sounds good. We'll wait and see. Zach, um, before we do let you go, I know you're enjoying your time in the sunny state, but has Kevy said any, given you any inkling on whether or not you can talk about the other team? S- sorry, was that the other team? Yeah, that's <laughs> the, the other team. The other team? <laughs> oh, Katie, I can't oh. even mention the Blues or New South Wales up here. Lucky Kevy's not listening to me because I tell you what, uh, he stuck to the script today. You were here in Game 1 and Game 2 uh, ahead of uh, those matches and... Um, He's just he's as defiant as ever. I said to him uh, today, I said, uh, do you think Nathan Cleary will line up for the Blues? And he said, uh, we're not focusing on the other team. We're only focusing on ourselves. One of the big things I want to get out of uh, my time in camp with the Maroons this week is find out uh, how much is in the kitty for all the fines that uh, the players <laughs> have been handing in uh, throughout camps one and two. And more importantly, what they're going to be spending the money on. Uh, so far, they say it could go to Kevy Walters' uh, kids' school fees. Others, others are saying if they have a big win, it'll go over the bar but uh, I'm not like Daily Cherry Evans I don't have a million dollars to throw around so I'm going to do my best and not mention the B or the N word in the lead up to game three (laughs) I can't believe you're already getting brainwashed please keep it together for us up there (laughs) I'll do my best (laughs) thanks so much Zach have fun
All right, Zach Bailey, of course, up in Queensland there. Now, very shortly, we will be hearing from Brad Fittler from Blues Camp, so eyes peeled for that one. He will be answering all the questions on David Clemmer and Nathan Cleary's injury update. Um, hopefully, he won't be far away. I think I am hearing he is there to go, so let's throw to Bondi. Blues coach Brad Fittler is live now. Since the game, things have progressed really well for Nathan. Just saw him out there with the physio working it. Just going to get a, a plan together because uh, our trainer's back and everyone's together. And uh, I feel like he's going to be OK. When will you make the final decision? Oh, there's no time limit on Nathan. I think it's been a pretty important part of the group for the last couple of years. And so we'll just see how it goes. Uh, I think he's going to be our best gauge later in the week about his confidence and how much power he's got in it. Is it, it could it be you know, a distraction? I don't think so. I think the fact is we've got Wade and also uh, Jack Wadden who play 5-8 as well. So uh, you don't really get that many sessions out. Uh, the boys have all just, you know, 15 weeks of hard football and a couple of start of origins. You know, the, the, the best thing we can do from at the moment is a little bit of rest and just get our head around the job ahead. If he, um, if he, um, if he doesn't play, who would you have in the house? Well, we're pretty confident he's going to play. And at the moment, uh, Wade Graham did a fantastic job in person, also Jack Wyden. So we feel like uh, you know, we're very safe at the moment what we've got in camp. Had a uh, side that did the job in game two, so no Clemmer. Can you talk us through that decision? Yeah, it's a tough one because we love Clem. We love what he's about. And uh, it was one of those discussions that was hard, but he made it easy. His reaction was so, um, you know, what was it? so refreshing he just wished Tarek all the best and he said if you got the opportunity he'd absolutely love coming to camp again so uh, he's that's why he's a valued member of any team he plays for because he just loves what rugby league's about and he understands uh, team and he saw most of the boys play really well and understands why we picked that team again. Yes, credit to Daniel Saifidi and what he was able to do in his stadium as well. Yeah he was he was really did a really good job for us um, he had a specific role and he was absolutely perfect at what he did. So, and then he went and did a really good job against Brisbane against a big forward pack, and backed it up well. So, um, yeah, we found it very hard to to swap it over. I feel like it. I, I know they're trying to make a stance in the game, and I and everyone understands the stance. I'm just not sure if this is the tackle uh, where they need to do it. So, uh, we wish him all the best. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Hopefully, Michael Morgan's pulled up okay. But yeah, I feel like. Um, once they sit down and uh, scrutinise the timing and all that, considering on the f on the field they had time to scrutinise it and some video referees and referees found it okay not even to give a penalty. So I just think that um, I think that he'll get a downgrade. How much has Nathan been able to do? I know you want, you were hoping to see him wait there today. Was he able to do that? Yeah, well, he's walking around. He hasn't got a boot on, so you know that's a great sign. And tomorrow will he be running training? Or yeah, he'll be running at some stage, and you know, I think today with with all the data and experience that we have, I don't think running is the absolute key. So, or the bill and end all. There's other ways he can work his ankle, and um, I suppose in impress coaching staff that he can play. Was it amazing, Freddie? I mean, when, after game two, everyone had pretty much written him off from, from this game. Yeah, he's mostly carried on a little bit <laughs> at the game, but no, he's you know he's going to do everything possible. Yeah, you know, everything possible, and we spoke to the coaching staff out of Penrith, and you know, I know Nathan well, so uh, he's one player you know that's not going to. There'll be no shortcuts, and and he'll end up, I'm saying, making the final decision later on in the week. Just um, that last game, you 
lack of game time have anything to do with it, given you only had one game back, or is it purely just guys that did the job yeah, hard right. to change it? Yeah, purely just the way they did it over there, the way they worked together, the way they worked for each other was the indicator, I think. I'd love to have Clem in the team, and like I said, if, if Tarek was unable to beat the charge, then Clem comes straight in. Jacket. Well, we'll wait and see what happens there, of course. I guess uh, David Clemmer coming into the side always in on whether or not Tarek Sims gets off the charge. But let's go to your sweet or soured, yes. Jamie Soured. Soured this week. Oh. I watched some amazing footy over the weekend and some amazing decisions. I want to take you over to uh, New Zealand. It was the David Fusatua try. We had plenty of angles on it, so the Warriors, again, disappointing at home. Looks like a great try there, but... Uh, when we slow it down, oh, the hand is over the sideline. I cannot believe that this went to the bunker and came back a try. Absolutely ridiculous. The NRL are just lucky that the Penrith Panthers went on to win that game because in a day and age where we do have so many camera angles and the bunker, this is what it's designed to do, is to make these decisions so that the referee, the touch judge can't see it there, the referee in the live moment can't see it there and they come back and send the wrong decision back. Uh, they're lucky that Penrith won. Okay. Mm. On your high horse. Well, you can't have it. You, I mean, if that, that could cost someone a grand final. If that was a semi-final yep. and you lose that, you'd be filthy. No, oh, the NRL have owned up to it today. Yeah, but I don't yeah. want... I, I, I applaud Graham Annesley and what he does each Monday, but I don't want it to go for 24 rounds. I don't need him coming to me 24 rounds and saying, oh, we got that one wrong. If it cost me a final eight spot, if it cost me a semi-final. I need him to be getting those ones. That's clear cut. We've seen that three times right there. We saw his hand go down. It's clear cut. Yep. I'm not going to disagree with you. Also, just with a change of tune, uh, Jamie, you have some news. Yes. And it'll be sort of post-footy and... Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, so uh, after watching David Riccio, uh, reading David Riccio's piece and talking, or watching Peter Sterling and James Graham come out and say that they've donated their brain to research on the CTE uh, and all that kind of stuff, I've got in contact uh, with Chris Levy. From, he's a consultant to the NRL. Uh, I've contacted Dave Riccio. I'm going to decide uh, that I'll donate uh, my brain as well. Um, I sat down with my wife pretty much after hearing James Graham speak and I haven't done the research or study that James has done but uh, to be able to hear him speak so passionately about the research that he's done and that he understands it all I just thought it might be a good opportunity to somehow help you know solve some of these concussions and whether it does have a long-lasting impact and whether we can help our game continue to be safer so that uh, littler kids can play so that we are getting more participants in the NRL so uh, for me it was a, a an easy decision uh, my wife Maddie was very supportive of it my whole family supported it so uh, got in contact and Chris will send me the papers this week and we're away what do you do you hope that more players uh, will gain confidence out of you joining that small group well, and encourage them to do it as well? Well, I got confidence out of Peter Sterling doing it and then James Graham. So for me, I, I follow the NFL very closely and they went through their own CTE case and they settled um, out of court for a large amount with the NFL. Um, I don't want it to come to that. I want participants to be able to play and someone needs to start and Peter Sterling being courageous as he did, James Graham as well, to be able to follow those guys and, and like I said, the research that James Graham's done. You can sit and listen to him talk about anything all day. He's so smart. So uh, to be able to follow those guys and hopefully contribute to something uh, in the future is certainly something that appealed. And um, yeah, it's not not a major decision in terms of, you know, when we go, we go. But um, yeah, my wife was really supportive of it. And I just thought it might be a chance to, to really help the game when I'm not here. 
Well, well done. Well, Jamie, congratulations, first of all, I guess a lot of, well, a number of former and current players, you know, doing their bit to help the future generation. But I want to ask you, mate, post-career, have you actually felt any you know, side effects of your career go, you know, impacting your day-to-day life in terms of, you know, concussions? Not that you had as many as James Graham has had, but surely, you know, day-to-day, have you noticed any anything that's affected you at all? Yeah, I had, um, so I got knocked out in 2015, the la- second last game. Uh, Jack Whiten got me down in Canberra and um, for a couple of months it was really hard to be in, in light spaces. So I could, couldn't have the lights on, I had to be in my room at home and um, when I finished migraines and stuff, you know, I never had a migraine my whole career and I started getting migraines when I finished. So um, for me, those headaches are probably more you know, at, I've noticed them more in retirement than what I had when I was playing. So um, the concussion things, it's a scary thing, but the, the more people we get wanting to learn more about it, wanting to participate, I think we start to, to get more knowledge about it and we can start to help people, not necessarily prevent it because accidents do happen, but um, certainly give some plans in place for people that do retire and maybe suffer from those things. Well, I know you say it was an easy decision, but it was a courageous one, so well done. Thank you. No worries. Okay, let's go to hit or miss. Well, we're going to talk about eye gouging. Eye gouge charge should be compulsory eight-week suspension, hit or miss. Michael? Yeah, hit, I don't mind. Yeah, there, there are different levels of, of eye gouging, I, regardless of whether it's forceful or not, you shouldn't be doing it. So I don't mind the NRL if they were going to come forward with a mandatory eight-week ban for any any contact with the eye, any deliberate contact with the eye. Uh, I don't know what George, George Burgess is going to argue at, at the judiciary on Tuesday night because that was, that was ugly. And that, that's, to me, that's a minimum eight weeks. We're talking potential eight to 12 weeks there, I think, um, on a former teammate as well. Yeah, and, and not the first time for George Burgess. So for me, hit uh, these are sort of grubby acts we need to stamp out of the game and, and no one is excusing George Burgess for that. Yeah. There's no, there's no, no reason for that to be in the game at all. And uh, the disappointing thing is that Josh McGuire's got away with two, you know, acts across in and around the face this year with monetary fines, which it's, it was clear as day the first eye gouge that he did on Cameron Munster. So uh, I think eight weeks minimum. What well, one thing I want to say, I think we need to get out of the game this whole. Yeah, with Josh Maguire, what happened was at the time with Cameron Munster that Munster didn't want to make an official complaint. I don't think you need to go to the player no. and make an official complaint. If someone hits you across the head with a high tackle, we're not going to go up to you and say, mate, hey, do you want that guy to be charged? Take it out of it. We can, there's enough camera angles that we well, can see if someone deserves to I will say quickly, if you can look at, if me and you are competing and to see who puts the ball dead in, in 30 seconds to see whether it's a dropout or a seven-tackle set, surely we've got the camera angles like the Penny Terrapo one yeah, that one there, to be able to say, that's an eye gouge, send him. Yeah, fair enough. Anthony Milford's injury is the nail in the coffin for the Broncos, hit or miss. Anthony Milford obviously uh, got that lateral meniscus, uh, yeah, lateral meniscus injury. So he's looking at a month on the sidelines unless he requires surgery and then he'll be out for the season. Uh, miss for me. The nail was already in the coffin. Uh, they turned up the bank west. They were absolutely dreadful out there against Parramatta and they weren't much better on the weekend. Look... Unfortunately, um, Anthony Seabolt's had a really tough year this year and it just continues to be uh, deflecting away from the Brisbane performances. They just haven't been good enough, they haven't been consistent enough. Uh, He's now coming out and Anthony Milford played fullback on the weekend. If you were going to make that move, you make it at the start of the year. And, And week to week, we keep finding, they keep coming up with excuses as to why this group hasn't performed. A lot of people, they're in my top three. They were in grand final predictions. Mm. They just haven't performed this year. It was all on potential. They haven't, they haven't been good enough to get the job done. Michael? 
hit yep, season over. I, I'm, it's a shame because I really like the change. I've been waiting, and I said to you about six to eight weeks ago, I think Anthony Milford needs to go to fullback, and I think we saw signs there that it could work long-term, and it may have to be long-term with you know, question marks over Darius Boyd's future. I've, yeah, Brisbane, that's season over. It's a shame because it's so much potential. For a while. It's yeah, been for a while. There was a little period you thought they may uh, start to come back, but round two was their best game. <laughs> they haven't got their benchmark was round two against Jason Taumalolo and crew. Yeah. They haven't gotten back to that. Nowhere near back to that. The scary thing is they will be weaker start round one next year than they were to start this year. From a roster point of view, you lose the likes of James Roberts, Jaden Sewer. You know who knows what's happened to Darius Boyd over the next six to eight months. They will be yeah, weaker on paper than they were 12 months ago. I think, I think it's highlighted how much they miss Wayne Bennett. Well, just on the back of Darius' chat, Darius Boyd plays 2020. Hit or miss? Hit. It, unless someone picks up his contract, I think that Brisbane will be tied to him, unfortunately, for Brisbane's sake. But I, I think Darius, look, there's been some patches. You could slow down film of every player and see how many mistakes they made. But there's been some really classy patches. And he's not been the only one that hasn't been performing to the standards that he set himself. So... I, I'm still in the Darius corner. I'm not going to pretend to know Darius better than you do because you've played with him, you've won a comp with him. If Darius Boyd sits back in the preseason and thinks, you know what, what I did this year is not me. I don't want to finish on this note. Is he the kind of guy to say, stuff the money, stuff the contract, I'm not up for this anymore? Or will he keep playing? I think he's matured enough now. We've spoken to him a couple of times on this show. I think that Darius Boyd now would be comfortable within himself to be able to retire. The Darius Boyd that played at the Dragons would have just kept playing because... Mm. He didn't know anything else, but now he's got a family. He understands that there's more to life than footy. I think he'd be responsible enough to make that decision. Okay, last one. The Bulldogs need to prepare for life without Kieran Foran. Hit or miss? Jamie? Hit. They need, a, they need an overhaul with their roster. They're starting to make some changes there. Unfortunately, Kieran uh, does his hammy again there, so there's, uh, there's some lingering issues to be able to keep doing your hamstring over and over again. But Brandon Wakem was absolutely outstanding. This is a young kid, Fijian kid, who holds the record um, for most points in a test match for Fiji with 20. He, he's only a young kid. He's still learning, and if they can be patient. Bulldogs fans... You've got a young roster. If you can be patient, continue to support them, and then start bringing in some senior guys in and around it, then that's when you start to reap rewards. You're not going to win a comp in the next two years, but you'll get leeway with that knowing that you've got a young roster. The more confusing question is, how'd you let a guy like Reese Martin go? Mm. You know, when he's a, a try-scoring machine for you, a goal kicker. So there's, there's other changes in around their roster, but uh, they will need to prepare with, for life without Kieran Foran. Well, it's a tough question for me because I think the dogs have been trying to prepare for life without Kieran Foran, but no one's going to... You're not going to be able to move him on, take the money that he's on at $1.1, $1.2 million. So they have to stick with him till the, for the duration of the contract. Now, the problem for Canterbury is... And everyone knows that they've got this money built up in the next couple of years, they're going to have money to spend and go buy players. But they're going to have to pay overs. One, because... At the, state, the state the club's in at the moment, no one wants to go there. And two, given that every manager in the NRL knows that the dogs have got money to spend, they're going to want their client to earn the money that they've got in top dollar. So it's not easy when you've got that money to spend because everyone tries to milk you for everything you've got. And I think the dogs are going to have that problem over the next 12 to 18 months. Oh, NRL, the game that just keeps <laughs> on giving. All right, let's get to champ or chump. Uh, we're going to take it to Super League first off. Joe Westerman, a whole FC back rower. Uh, watch this clip. Goes down in the tackle. He has dislocated his kneecap. Look at him punching it back in. So he continued to play this game. He got back up. Did they call that a knock-on? That's harsh. 
It's uh, We're not looking at that. We're looking at the kneecap, Michael. <laughs> they call that a knock-on. Well, technically, he does let go of the ball uh, while the tackle is oh. being completed. Oh. I can't believe it's it's offensive that oh. we're going to call him a chump because have a look at the size of Why it. Why are you I calling think. him a chump? I'm not. I you said it's offensive that it's champ or chump. Oh. That's champ. That should have been <laughs> hit or miss. Would you have ever done that? No, no thank you. Get that ambulance out to me ASAP. <laughs> champ. I'll give him a champ. I'm giving the referee a chump. I can't believe they called that a knock-on. I'm dumbfounded. <laughs> Trust Seriously. you to take it. It's not about the rest. Seriously. Yeah. It's but not that about is, the that's pretty, pretty tough stuff. <laughs> okay, and uh, we do have another off-field edition. The security guard at Bank West Stadium. Let's take a look at this one. Yeah, chump. Chumps here. Okay, I mean... We've got a streaker. This was all ball. Great. I mean, we don't want to see streakers in the but game. You but even... if you have a look, there's five of them. They all wear footy boots. The lack of movement, the talk there. I mean, he comes in. He's not even preparing for a slide tackle. <laughs> they get Chumps. Question marks over the surface at Bank West. Slippery conditions for the streaker there. Yeah, it struggled. What do you do when someone runs on the field? If that, that oh, well, I mean, I didn't make many tackles in my career, but I would have you tried. Would have got one. Well, Andrew Simons. I just think yeah. of that, and I just think how dangerous it is. Yeah, I mean, if George Burgess was out there or Sam Burgess. And, they, and you come in, it's, it's very dangerous. It's, we've seen it in the English Premier League. People get hit in, in the head. It's, it's so dangerous. But uh, security guards need to be better than that. The alertness. <laughs> you know what the problem is? They're looking away from the game. Mm. So the people on the 50-yard line, they needed to be turning around and going. Should they be having rugby league training? Just like a few sessions a year just to get their tackling right? Footwork. Maybe. Maybe they already do. Maybe you should start something. I like that. Oh, you yeah, James Howard James. Academy for security guards. Yeah, Let's get into it. Making tackles. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> We do have one more. I've got one more. Oh, yeah, I know. It's Pony Champ or Chump this week. This time it was a cameraman, a fox cameraman. The poor thing. Watch this. Straight into him, Jordan oh, Rappiner. Dislocated kneecap. No, it's not no. dislocated kneecap. Cut. NRL physio <laughs> said uh, it's a bruise. Could be a bruise. Worst case scenario, it could be Ooh. a um, an MCL. I think that's what he said. Congratulations, Ooh. NRL physio. He's just Ooh. had a little baby. You can see there. Where's the knee pads though? Awesome. You know what I'm pads. questioning? I'm questioning the backup man who's got the um, the cord. He didn't pull him back quick enough. You're onto something. Maybe security guards and cameraman academy. I like it. You can get everyone involved. You can get oh, a good please. earn. Maybe we can get you off the show. You earn that much money. Oh. I should probably get a percentage of that because you've seen it only because of Champ or Trump. I just like the fact that NRL Physios had a newborn and he's still got time to be able to report on the camera. <laughs> well, he has time for everything. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we do uh, wrap up today's show, Power Rankings, Jamie, what do you got? Yeah, we had a week off last week with rep rounds, so Power Rankings, I think the Melbourne Storm, they were outstanding. in what It wasn't a glamorous game, but they continue to dominate. They are number one. Manly move into the top four. Uh, they continue to defy the odds in terms of their salary cap. They're playing a great brand of footy. The Broncos, Katie, down to 14. It's, the, it's, it's sad because they're such their expectations are so high but uh, every Monday we do those uh, power rankings you can get them on nrl.com at midday Have the Broncos ever been 14? No and Manly have never been 4 in, wow. in its short uh, 2 year life wow. what, would your, what would your dear friend Wayne Bennett be thinking about Brisbane at the moment? Be having a laugh sitting back is that kind of guy he is? Don't know <laughs> oh, we'll have to get that one out of you next week. Have you ever seen Clint Eastwood laugh? It'd just be an old smirky smile. I reckon. Look, I like Wayne. I, I think you'd be right. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, that's it for today's episode of Inside the NRL. Make sure you tune in tomorrow at three fifty-five. Zach Bailey's in Queensland, so I'm stepping in for NRL teams with Jeff Tuvey and Brett Kamali. Hopefully, they carry the ship. But until next Monday, have a good one.